Welcome back to the Red Dice Diaries. I'm John, and today I'm going to talk a little bit about the end of my long-running Smoke and Snow Old School Essentials game after the music. Okay, so we had our last session, for the moment at least, of our Old School Essentials Smoke and Snow campaign. Obviously, there's going to be spoilers and such like for that, so if you don't want to hear that, you might want to come back to this video later. In the last session, the characters were attempting to retrieve the body of the wife of one of their characters, the barbarian Brock Montaigne, that had been stolen to have some evil and necromantic rite performed on it. This necromantic rite was designed to invest the body with a demonic spirit known as the Scarlet Empress, who is effectively the opposite number of the current first vampire baddie in the setting known as the Crimson King, who in eons past, a member of an ancient race known as Brondralat had had this... Uh, this demonic spirit that had escaped from a portal bound into his body by an order of ancient mages called the Senna, and he'd volunteered for this, knowing that they could then confine his possessed body to this particular place, this frozen castle, and sort of lock the evil away, so to speak. He effectively then, because of this demonic taint in him, became the first vampire of our setting. He's the cane of our setting, if you want to use the older World of Darkness sort of nomenclature there. And he's basically been working on a way to both restore his opposite number, the Scarlet Empress, and also find a way to escape his imprisonment and stretch out his evil undead talons across the land. So the players who are going to try and stop this the barbarian Brock Montaigne had used his recently gained class ability to call upon a horde of 250 barbarians and they were going to march towards this castle around which the Crimson King and his sort of lesser children, the other, the normal sort of vampires in the setting, who were less powerful than him but weren't bound to the castle in the same way. That's how he'd been spreading his influence. They were gathering a huge undead army so that when he was free, he could then march across the landscape, bringing death and destruction to all in his wake. So the way we decided to work this was, effectively, the barbarian horde would occupy the undead army outside, which I tracked very abstractly. I sort of decided they were roughly evenly matched. They were more undead, but their troops were less competent, whereas the barbarians were all like some leveled fighters and stuff like that but there were less of them so just every now and again during the session i would have both myself for the bad guys and darren green who plays brock roll a d6 and whoever got the highest number would decide that's how the the sort of battle was progressing so we started off with the the sort of barbarian horde sort of making a strong start despite taking early losses because of missile fire once they got stuck into combat, their greater skill was telling. However, they then got encircled by the undead, who had vastly superior numbers, and they had evil magics on their side, something the, the Icewalker barbarians don't truck with. But eventually, the Icewalkers were able to break out of that, and they were triumphant. And this was all sort of described and sort of handled fairly sort of descriptively and narratively, 
by myself as the session went on since it was only really a backdrop as such. Meanwhile, the player characters entered the frozen castle, Castle Blut, as I stereotypically decided to call it, of the evil vampire lord. And obviously there were, despite the fact that the vast majority of his undead were outside, there were still some of his minions inside, and these included some of his elder children. So there were six vampires in all in the castle. That's not counting the, the Crimson King, because he was confined to the uppermost level and couldn't leave that because of this arcane binding but there were a number of his other I say elder children so his most powerful children but still lesser than him and what they did with them is they would have three of them rest at a time because there was no sort of like natural light in the lower levels of the castle so they could be active a little bit more than vampires would be normally they would have three of them active conducting this ceremony to put the this demonic conjure this demonic essence from the the demonic abyss the demonic gate they'd managed to open and put it in the body of Lan Rivar Brock's wife so that she would be embodied in that and then the, the Scarlet Empress would have entered the world. And while three of them were doing that, three of them would rest in coffins and they would sort of rotate so they could sort of keep this incredibly long and sort of baroque ceremony going non-stop really because well even vampires got a rest even if they didn't why would they need coffins so that was the setting the player characters made their way in there they fought against some like whites um there were some hellhounds they sort of quite ingeniously worked their way past on the drawbridge going into it and they eventually found their way down to the lower levels the catacombs below the castle they discovered the three of the vampires in the coffins and realizing that rightly they don't want to face three vampires in open combat they effectively killed them while they were in their coffins sort of trapping them inside stabbing enchanted blades and holy weapons through the lids throwing garlic in all manner of like great stuff which dealt with those three they then proceeded on and eventually came across the three vampires who were performing the ceremony they were able to prevent the the ceremony from being performed with our rogue Quentin using a, a dispel curse scroll effectively on the body of land to like disrupt the energies that were being conjured from this abyss however that then freed up these three vampires well two of them because one of them was trying to get the ritual restarted to face the player characters and as I may have said earlier on in a video we don't use the the sort of stat well we haven't been using the sort of standard level drain rules we use the alternative offered in issue one of the noxine by the mary mushman and that was in an article written by gaber lux and it basically proposes that instead of draining levels and you have to slog your way through all that xp they actually drain stats so whites wraiths and other lesser undead drain 1d6 constitution Spectres, Vampires, and other Greater Undead drain 2d4 constitution. Shadows drain 1d4 strength. Your scores recover at a rate of 1 per day. And a character drained to 0 and a score is lost and becomes an undead of a given type. And as it quite rightly says in this article, with these changes in effect, undead represent a greater immediate threat, but they don't damage long-term player viability. And I've, don't get me wrong, if you, if you love uh, the, the, the old level drain, absolutely fine and you crack on. I've always found it a bit of a chore, though, for you to have to work up to 
to getting all these XP to get up to a certain level and then you're effectively like set back and you've got to work your way back up again. And I understand that's part of the, the fear of level draining and you're threatening something, the, the player's value. But And that's fine, but it's the long slog to get back to where you were that doesn't really appeal to me. Whereas this knock sort of based attribute drain based sort of technique I find more interesting. It's like it says in knock issue one, it makes them more deadly in the immediate term. But, you know, if you can rest up for a few days, you will recover. However, going into a combat, even if you got well lucky with your rolls, any old school character is probably only going to have 18 max in a stat. So you can literally, for some of these like higher level undead, I mean, like if a vampire rolls their maximum, they can just hit you once and be like, boom, there's eight constitution gone. And you, even if you've got max, you've only got 10 left. So like, if you, if the the GM gets a high roll, a few hits from a vampire, and you can be done, and you'll be rising up again as a vampire yourself. And that's pretty much what happened in the encounter we had. Once the vampires who were occupied with their ceremony realized that the, the heroes were there, they turned their attention to them, and gradually they fell below the, the constitution draining effects of the vampire's bites and claw attacks. Weimar Lone Grove, I'm due to mainly to like him eating garlic every other round, which vampires have to make a save or be repulsed by, was able to survive for like a ridiculous number of rounds, despite being on like relatively low hit points and constitution at that point. But once his garlic ran out and they they started being able to get in there. He was soon overwhelmed himself using his last heroic moment. And I like to give people a bit of a heroic moment or a chance to do like a, a sort of one-liner or something. It doesn't stop you dying, but, you know, I like to think it takes the edge off a bit and it makes things a little bit more dramatic. And I normally give a little bit of license, you know, depending on what people want to do in these situations. Uh, Weimar possessed a, a holy weapon known as the Sun Sword, which was... Its whole thing was like killing undead, basically. So as he was sort of transforming, and I sort of described the fact that like wisps of smoke had already started to come out from between his fingers as he was holding the sword, as he was slowly changing, he basically apologised to the sword and said that he'd done his best and sort of asked for forgiveness, at which point I dramatically had it like flare up in sunlight and basically like throw his body into this abyss behind him, leaving his fate somewhat unclear. And as I say, I like to have a bit of a dramatic flair for that. Now, once we'd finished and we wrapped up the session, we, we sort of talked about what we wanted to do next. And that's on the, the very end of the, the sort of actual play recording. I'll put a link with like a YouTube card or something in the YouTube version of this episode. And I'll probably put a link in the description as well, in case you're listening on the audio version. But we had a bit of a chat about what we wanted to do next. We could have easily picked up with another party in the same world, but we've been pretty much running a campaign set in this game world now for two years, pretty much, I believe. I mean, if I look on my Twitch page at the moment, we've effectively got 46 episodes of the campaign. Each of those being sort of like three to four hours along. Like I say, we've been running for two years. So after a bit of a chat, we decided it might be nice to do something a little different for a while. But we quite fancied the idea of returning to this sort of world in the future, possibly with some sort of like time jump. Now, I've got all my notes for this campaign, all the session write-ups and everything from when it first started. 
on Obsidian Notes. So that's not a problem. And in fact, over the next day or two, I'll be writing up the sort of final uh, notes and sort of session write-up for this particular campaign. So even though we won't, the, the Smoke and Snow campaign has concluded, it's very possible when we next do some old school D&D, we may pick up with a new party, maybe with a bit of a time jump, in this same campaign world, perhaps in a different location, because we've already got all of that sort of law and stuff like that established, so it'd be a shame to let it go to waste. We've been chatting a bit on Facebook over the uh, over the morning of today, as this is being recorded, which is on the day after the, the campaign's wrapped up, and we're potentially looking at doing something with a little bit more of a maybe like a modern world spin probably probably a small sort of like finite campaign like a mini campaign as a bit of a sort of palette cleanser after we've um, finished OSC before we decide if we want to jump back into fantasy or do something else because as I said to the group I'm very keen to keep the group I think we've got a great group and the time slot of running bi-weekly on Friday which seems to work for us all and everyone still seems quite enthused to continue playing which is always a good thing as far as I'm concerned. And everyone seemed to enjoy the session despite the the many character deaths that occurred during it. So again, that's always good. And I had great fun running that campaign for all the various people involved. Some of the people we had early on didn't make it to the end of the campaign for various reasons, and that's fine. That's just how things are. But for everyone who's played in the campaign either now or in the past, it's been great role-playing with them thoroughly enjoyed it and i'm really looking forward to the next campaign so that's it for this video i hope you've enjoyed this quick discussion about the end of our recent smoke and snow campaign hopefully we're gonna have a meetup virtually with the player group in the next couple of weeks and discuss what we want to do next maybe do a bit of session zero and character genning and then hopefully a couple of weeks after that we'll be ready to start a new campaign and i'm very much looking forward to that but hopefully we'll swing around to revisiting the world of smoke and snow at some point in the future so if you've enjoyed this video maybe you'd like to comment on it or drop us a message let us know how you've handled the end of your campaigns and whether you've decided to push on in the same campaign world or do something different afterwards. Either way, we'd love to hear from you. You can get in touch with us a number of different ways. You can send us a voicemail message using either SpeakPipe or Anchor. There'll be links in the description of this episode. Or you can send us an email to rdrpgpodcast at gmail.com. So until we see you again, take care, stay safe, and whatever you're playing, have fun.